Welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm John Sierra Reinecker, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Today, we're talking with Senior Executive Director of the Recording Academy Atlanta Chapter, Michelle Kaplinger. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy Yay. to be here. So let's get right into it. Sure. Let's start here. What is the Recording Academy? What is the Recording Academy? The National Academy of Recording <laughs> Arts and Sciences, the Recording Academy. Most people know us because of the Grammy Awards, right? So the Recording Academy is a member-based organization that was started 62 years ago by some uh, folks out in L.A. who worked <laughs> in the music industry and thought there was an, um, a need uh, for community and um, to award excellence within the music industry. Uh, that's how it was birthed. Um, so here we are 62 years later. And um, again, the members uh, of this organization are uh, singers and songwriters, musicians, producers, engineers, people in the business of music. And what the Recording Academy does is... Um, well, on the ground, within 12 chapters, we work with those members, uh, Grammy Professional Development, networking. We're, we're that, uh, you know, on the ground community for the bigger organization and uh, basically advocate and try to improve the cultural environment for music makers. Awesome. Yeah. So I know you talked a little bit about how the Recording Academy serves music creators, but kind of let's get into that a little bit more in, sure. depth, uh, in depth and why it's important for music creators to join the Recording Academy. Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's really interesting, you know, uh, because most folks, even music people, um, if they're not familiar with us, they really think all we do is produce the Grammy Awards, right? And there's, you know, either an appeal to that or not. <laughs> um, but it's really all the things that we do year-round for creators that is so important to be involved in. Um, we advocate for artists' rights, you know, as you know, in D.C., um, with the recent passing of the Music Modernization Act a little over a year ago. Um, so both on the ground and nationally, we're constantly fighting for artists' rights and have them paid fairly and modernize law for them. Um, you know, that's one component of what we do. Uh, we also have our Music Cares Foundation, which takes care of music people in crisis, uh, be that financial, um, housing, addiction recovery. Um, you know, we do all these different things. And why is it important for the actual creators to be involved? Well, there's sort of a lean in and give back to your community as much as it's not just a take. It's also how do you mentor, you know, we're, we're in the schools, we put money in the schools for music programs. And I think that we really do, I don't want to overuse the word community, but it really is, you know, the preeminent music organization and family for music makers, you know, whether they're <clears throat> legacy artists or they're this, you know, the newest and up and coming act and everybody in between, you know, every genre, you know, it, it's, I, I think once people understand the inner workings of who we are and what we do and the family mentality, I, I think that they actually say, I can't believe I've not been involved with this, yeah. you know, for creators. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even realize a lot of the initiatives that you just mentioned. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I'm really talking about <laughs> the, bro the broad strokes of it all. Um, that, that really is what 
when we sit down with folks, because it's not like we're going to take out ads in People magazine, you yeah. know what I mean? Because we we don't promote to the general public. This is very industry specific. And when we sit down with, you know, musicians or songwriters and we tell them all that we do, you know, that we're not, you know, the, listen, the Grammys, you know, love it, you know, or or not, you know, yes, that's the, you know, global brand and the one thing people know about what we do, but it enables us year round on the ground to be able to really work with you know, the creative communities and, and help them, you know, and do all these fantastic things. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So how can music creators join the Recording Academy? So, um, <clears throat> you know, not just anyone can join, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, we're very similar to the Motion Picture Academy in that, um, you know, clearly you need to be a career professional, okay? Um, you know, music needs to be your full-time livelihood and you need to be able to you know, show that career substantiation because we all know that anybody can make a record in their basement, but it doesn't mean that they um, that their livelihood is in music. Maybe it, so. You know, like the motion picture, you need a two endorsements, two recommendations from people in the industry. Um, once those recommendations are put forward, you're given an application, so to speak, a digital application to fill out, no different than it's ever been, um, to say who you are, what you do, add the links of, you know, whether it's your recording career or your touring career, or if you're a music business professional, you know, documentation of that. And then every year, once a year, all of those folks who have made application, um, that all goes to a peer review committee, and they um, take a look and make sure that folks really are making their living in this industry and extend invitations to them. And sort of a lengthy process, um, but I think the school of thought is truly when you are at a Recording Academy event and with your members, they truly are your peers, yeah. you know, and it's a very industry-rich environment. And, you know, I've been with this organization almost 19 years, and over the 19 years, you know, I've seen people who are like, how much? I just want to be in the room, you know, <laughs> because we'll be doing something that, you know, may have some folks with very, you know, celebrated status and folks that work year-round that you may never know their name, but they're still at that level, right? right. And there's folks that, you know, are drawn to that, but that's not who we're doing stuff for. So let's get into your role with the okay. Recording Academy. And again, you're based here in Atlanta. Yep. What are your responsibilities as Senior Executive Director, and what's your day-to-day -day like? Sure. <laughs> well, you know, no two are quite the same. But um, So as Senior Executive Director in this marvelous market of ours, right? <laughs> so first and foremost, you know, it is on me year-round to really find out who are those folks who could potentially become members, right? Like, who are all these young, you know, musicians that, you know, they're not household names yet that are really doing great work and you know that they're on this path to, you know, they're going to have a career, right? So, you know, I'm constantly, you know, in our community, whether it's in the studios, you know, or in the clubs, seeing the acts or meeting with both the, you know, artists, producers, songwriters, and the management and those who work in the industry to learn who are those people, right? So, you know, there's a lot of work to identifying 
you know, what what's happening because we're really invested on not, you know, so, I mean, yes, you know, we have this um, wonderful, you know, host of members and they represent so many different music communities, but we're also invested in, you know, the future, yeah. right? right. And, and helping those who are, you know, really want a career in the music industry. So that's one thing. Um, I maintain a 30 almost 30-person board that is elected in by our members. So, um, you know, the board does help us with both local and national initiatives. So what does that mean? So, you know, we do events year-round for our members and our members only. And my coworker of 19 years, Erin Baxter, our senior project and membership manager, she and I are really, we're, we're, you know, we're joined at the hips, I swear, you know, and we share a brain. But um, she and I, you know, these ev- we produce these events, which in of itself, you know, the Recording Academy has some pretty high standards. Um, uh, so we, we produce these events year-round, but our board, um, who, you know, do they do support us in that. They also are very much involved in our advocacy work. And... It's not just the national stuff that we've had done. Um, we literally work with legislators here in the state um, to help to really bring it down to a human level, right? Like what we've learned is most legislators have no clue how our industry makes money, period, right? And they seem to – and when you don't understand something, you tend to just blow it off or thinks, it, thinks it's a luxury that, you know, yeah, you want to go play guitar or you want to go rap or whatever. And, you know, what year-round what I do is I bring folks not just from my board but from my membership, you know, and get a meeting with these legislators and say, we just want to get to know you, you know. And, you know, I tell them who they are, you know – kind of show them off a little bit, but I have them explain how they make a living and the challenges, right? So we find, you know, that now we have fostered these wonderful relationships with these lawmakers who that when we come back, whether it's for a state initiative or a national initiative, I mean, they literally have a better understanding. And, you know, we invite them to stuff and, we, you know, we've actually taken them back a house of concerts and say, see all these people that <laughs> work to make that one concert happen? This is who we're asking you to help us fight for, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's the whole advocacy thing, um, which, by the way, takes a whole lot of time, um, <laughs> but we're proud of that work. Um, also, I interface with every department of our national office. So meaning if it's our Music Cares Foundation, um, there's stuff on the ground uh, that, you know, if they've laid out a landscape, we execute on the ground. Atlanta, by the way, is one of 12 chapters for the organization. So, you know, we're the Atlanta hub, right? Um, but we oversee all of Georgia and actually some of Alabama, too. Um, so there's stuff that our Music Cares Foundation does. Uh, we have our Grammy Museum, which is everything that has to do with music education and music foundation efforts. So we uh, put monies in the schools. So we work with the schools. Um, the Grammy Museum itself, which, you know, is a 
the brick and mortar in LA, and there's a couple of other museums um, since that one opened. But what happens is there's programming that happens there, and we actually work with them as well for not just the LA uh, facility, but the one in Cleveland, Mississippi, that's right outside of Memphis. Um, so we're very involved in that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of governance and just things that we do year round that you, we're, we're just very much, it's, um, you have to think of the whole fabric, right? And the Grammy season itself, and I'll kind of finish the, the answer to this one question <laughs> like this, but the Grammy season itself, you know, it, it's a six month process. So, you know, in the summer, yeah, um, the doors open for the eligible entries to be submitted for the next Grammy Awards. And, you know, there's a couple month period for that where members and labels and media companies can submit product for consideration. And then in the fall, um, it's all compiled and there's tons of meetings to make sure that people have submitted it in the right categories or genres and whatnot. And it gets prepared for the first round of voting, which goes out on a ballot out to the membership at large. And, you know, again, I'm kind of condensing the process, um, but that first round um, brings it to a ballot of who are the nominees. And that usually happens um, late fall, and then that final round goes out, voting members vote, and only voting members vote. People wonder who votes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't vote. I'm staff. I don't vote. You know, um, industry folks might be a professional level member, but they don't have voting credentials. Um, so only the voting members vote, and it and then typically, um, it, either late November, early December, we will announce who the nominees are for that next show, and that you know final ballot goes to the members. They vote. And winners are revealed on the show and not a minute before because we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and our Grammy Awards are, you know, usually end of January, early Feb. So we are very involved because if you think about it, you know, 80-plus awards, you know, you really only see, like, you know, what, 5 to 10 on the telecast because we do so much live music. But the pre-tell that happens earlier that day, the premiere celebration, I should say, the bulk of the awards are given out then. If you think of that many awards and you think of all the nominees in each of those awards, uh, nominations, they belong to one of the 12 chapters, you know, and it was really myself and the counterparts, you know, and our coworkers that sit down and explain the process and encourage people to submit, you know, or if they are qualified to be a member, they should, you know, go toward you know, forward with the process of being a member. And there's a lot of hand-holding there, you know, and every year, you know, when the show happens and there ha and sometimes there's some wins that people don't agree with and, you know, more often than not, you know, <clears throat> you'd be surprised who doesn't enter, you'd be surprised who doesn't vote, and you'd be surprised who isn't an active member. And, that, and that's why it's incumbent on us to make sure that everyone who should be involved and voting, that they are. Because we don't get the awards right if we don't have everybody represented and active. Right. So 
again, skimming the surface. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, listen, it's a gift, you know, to do all this. Yeah. So, that, that's, so that's kind of like a day, you know, uh, you know, uh, lots of meetings, lunches, studio visits, shows, lots of conference calls, <laughs> <laughs> lots of conference calls. Um, but, you know, that, that, you know, board meetings, committee meetings, we have lots of committees, um, advocacy, special projects, education, yeah. producers and engineers, um, you know, we're, and then, and then we have sub genres that are genre specific and diversity outreach. And so we stay busy. Yeah. <laughs> So you've listed a lot of responsibilities yeah. that just hearing it from me, it piqued my interest. Yeah. But of course, for you, what is the thing that you enjoy most about your position? You know, it's the people. You know, I, I, I have to be around creative people. It's just, it's my DNA, right? And I can't even imagine being in a corporate environment. I, I just, you know what they say, um, square peg, you know, round hole, you know, it, 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 no matter how hard you would try, I'd, I'm not so sure I'd fit in. Um, it stimulates me, it moves me, it excites me, it relights my pilot light. Every day when I meet that next young artist and go, whoa, this is exactly why I'm in this industry, you know, and you, you, you really do get, get excited for them, you know. Um, so it's really the creators themselves that um, is what I get excited about and, and the relationships I've made over the years with these incredible people who lend their time. Um, you know, there's members and then, the, you know, when I refer to the board servicing committees, you know, they, they lend their time to help us and some great relationships, you know, have, you know, come out of that. And, you know, I, I love it. I, you know, I, I've worked in music really my entire adult life. So I, um, I'm grateful. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, this is a great segue. What led you to work for the Recording Academy? You know, <clears throat> so... There were, so I, Jan Smith, who a big, oh, big Mama vocal, Jan. Mama Jan, big <laughs> vocal producer in town, and Don Perry and Joel Katz. Wow, Joel. <laughs> um, they had recommended me for this position, which is really, really interesting because I wasn't looking for a job. And I had worked for a national concert promoter for several years, and I had left that concert promoter and started my own boutique company doing publicity and music, you know, music clients. And because I did national tour press with the concert promoter, he said, well, if you're going to leave, you're taking all the tours with you. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I had this great little business. I had major artists in every time zone, and I was booking their daily radio phoners. They're doing their print interview scheduling, TV, blah, blah, blah. And I was a happy little camper with my little boutique company raising my daughter. Um, and they had put me forward for the position. And <clears throat> I did have a little bit of ambivalence about it all because I, I kind of got myself in a place that I thought this is how it was going to go, right? Yeah. So I guess never get too comfortable. <laughs> um, but what the most interesting part is, you know, the position had been open. And through the interview process, I mean, they flew me to L.A., I, you know, met with the Nashville folks. 
Through the interview process, it was exactly those things that you comment on, right? Our Music Cares Foundation, the advocacy work, putting money in the public schools for the music programs. The things I learned in the interview process presented such an incredible opportunity. Like it had, it really, the show wasn't even the conversation. You know, the Grammy Awards, like we all know that. Okay. It literally, I sat back and I went, wow, I had no idea. And it really was the pull. It was the draw. And I, to be very honest, I thought, well, I'm going to give this a go. And I can always do the other. I was hoping I could always do the other. (laughs) And I took that position literally 19 years ago in July of 2000. And uh, it's the best thing, honestly, that ever has happened to me. And I have enjoyed every minute, and it's been a lot of hard work, but the rewards are plenty. Wow. Yeah. So that that that's that is really truthfully the lineage, you know. Yeah. Crazy, right? No, that's amazing. <laughs> and that's how amazing. I took this job, you know. Yeah. But I, like I had said, I really my path because I moved here from New York City in 1981, and my training was in musical theater. And I was a song and dance girl myself, you know? And so I was sort of this Broadway baby that hung out at CBGB's downtown, <laughs> but could you, but you could still find on weekends either at a disco or in a grungy alternative rock club, you know? So I, I had quite a penchant for music, period. I had a scope. Um, and when I came to Atlanta, you know, I, I immediately got in original bands, you know, so I was performing for quite some time, but I always worked in the music industry. So, you know, that was sort of the template leading up to this position. Wow. And I think that's such an interesting fact to learn about you, uh-huh. that you had that background in music, because who better to be in your role than someone that can uh, understand from well, that perspective as yeah, a music creator? I always thought that it was a benefit the fact that I've been on the boards and behind the board. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I really know what it's like to have those dreams, to train in this industry, to understand both the triumphs and the hardships. Yeah. I really do. I I get it, you know, and um, I, I hope that's been a gift that when I meet with music people that we feel like we're all cut from the same cloth, you know, mm-hmm. and I have um, their best, you know, interests, you know, I, that's that's a priority for me. It's top of mind. Awesome. <laughs> so you. let's backtrack a little sure. bit. Sure. Let's talk about the first concert you've ever ah, attended. Ah, what was that? I love that. <laughs> okay. So I'm really dating myself. So 1974, uh, David Bowie, wow. Diamond Dogs Tour, <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Wow. And what's really crazy about that is um, so... I actually went, unbeknownst to my parents, <laughs> I went and had my hair cut, that flaming red, really unattractive <laughs> cut that only he could pull off, like days before the concert, thinking, you know, I'm so cool. I'm so hip. <laughs> I love him so much. that Okay, and then I get to Madison Square Garden, and we get in our seats, and I look at the row in front of me, and there's three people with the same haircut. <laughs> I look to the right. There's other people, you know, male and female with the same haircut, and I thought, Michelle, <laughs> okay, it's okay to love him, but you're not that cool. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, you know, clearly made a big mark, wow. you know, which is... Yeah, that's so awesome. Oh, thank you. Man, and I feel like, I mean, 
I don't I want to say it, but I hope artists don't take any shade to this. But like, I think sometimes the live experience is different now. You know, than yeah. when yeah. you know David Bowie was like prevalent and like seventy shows, even eighty yeah. shows were just it just was. T- it's timeless. Completely yeah. timeless. I, I, you know, I agree with you. And again, <laughs> we're not trying to ice anybody down. Right. You know, right. at all. And by the way, <laughs> there are some artists that do l- right. literally take their tour out, you know, out on the road and they've got the whole creative thing and it's, yeah. it's, a, and their show is very transporting, you know, and, and, you know, so we're, we're clearly not throwing that all in one bundle, but, right. but I got you on that. Yeah. And, you know, I, would like to hope um, that because things are so cyclical, right? You know, okay. that artists will come back to that. You know, yeah. they will make albums that are concept albums, you know, yeah. like where you, if you put the record on, you listened from one to 12. Yeah. You know, it, it there was a story, you know, and there really, you know, they, there was something going on that they were definitely, you know, try, it's a journey they wanted to take us all on. Yeah. You know, I, as a young girl and a teenager, when you like certain artists, the minute that record came out, you bought it before you even heard a track. Right. And I remember studying the lyrics from the first song to the last song and looking at all the pictures and dreaming and thinking about what was on their mind when they were yeah. writing this and recording this. I I can recall the smell of holding an album like that cardboard, you know? Mm. So it's a little different, you know? Yeah. It, it, and, I, and I've had a chance to have that experience. I mean, like, even though I'm kind of still young, but <laughs> growing <laughs> up, like, my parents had, like, a closet full of vinyls. To yeah, this there day, you go. it's a closet dedicated a stack. Yeah, a to closet. vinyls. Sure. And, like, I think it, it's interesting because in, in their time, their generation, like, the music wasn't just the only art. Like, the art was in the art because you have the actual product of the music, but then you have the vinyl, the cover art. It was like a double experience, if you will. You are dead on. (laughs) You are right on. And that's one of the things, look at technology, you know, God bless it, you know, but I think we do. Sometimes we're selling ourselves a little bit short, you know, like, you know, even when we went to CDs, right? You know, I'm thinking... Oh my God, that album, that album art, you know, how do you really, I I felt bad for the artist creating it, you know? (laughs) And then it was like, well, what do you mean? There's no lyrics or, you know, you know, lyric sheets and what have you. And so, I mean, it's just, we have to figure out, I'm just a very visceral person. Yeah. I like to touch it. You know, I like to, you know, take it all in and that is missing, you know? Yeah. Um, But I'm with you on that. And there's, you know, a very special time, you know, but again, you know, it all, (laughs) sometimes it just gets um, transformed into, you know, another realm, so to speak. So, but I'm with you. It's the art within the art of the art. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about what inspired you to pursue a career in music. How did you get your start? Well, all right. So, you know, there's that growing up in musical theater, right? You know, was in tons of productions, loved to sing and dance and act. Really, I really thought, I mean, I really believed, you know, and hoped that, you know, I would work on the stage in theater. That That's my love, you know, my, my first love. And um, when I moved to... Atlanta from New York City, um, there wasn't a lot of um, great theater happening, you know, at the time. 
And I stumbled into that audition for that first original rock and roll band called Lipstick Stains. And, you know, early 80s think, you know, sort of the vibe is like Pretenders and Iggy Pop and Talking Heads and, you know, all that fun stuff. And, I mean, we wrote our own original stuff. But I spent that next four years performing and recording and and doing, you know, tour runs with this act which, first of all, anchored me in Atlanta because I got to meet the music community. Uh, we played every weekend, and I thought, huh, well, you know, if being in a rock and roll band in the early 80s isn't theater, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it's not, you know, it's, it is. It's performance. It's, you know, you think of, you know, Queen and all those. Whole different day, right? So I fell in love with the city because the early 80s did have quite an underground live music scene and tons of those clubs to support it. This is a precursor to the um, LaFace days, right? So all of it has a place and really, believe it or not, is what helped mold who we are, you know, or shape who we are. But what happened when I was in a band, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is great, but we all know you're you're lucky if you get paid to cover the bar tab for the band, right? You know, in the (laughs) beginnings. And, um, you know, I I bartended, I... um, I ran a couple of nightclubs and booked talent and did publicity and promotions. Um, there was a club called Club Rio, a really cool counterculture, forward-thinking, artful dance club. And it used to be the old RKO Studios here in Atlanta, downtown. It's now it's leveled because of Centennial Park. But I had them put in um, a, full, you know, a stage and full production and started booking both local acts and then um, sort of that level act that was on their way up. So like the Pixies, Fetch and Bones, um, acts that were on their way, you know, but they were fun and they were club and they were dance. And so that's how I kind of got my start. And I happened to book an act that I didn't realize um, the big concert promoter in town (laughs) was looking to book. And (laughs) I got the act only because the act wanted a club date, right? And the concert promoter called me up and yelled at me. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. You know, because I really didn't understand the the politics of it all. And then offered me a job. Wow. How you like that? And I was like, are you going to yell at me all the time? <laughs> and um, that was uh, Charlie Brusco with Concert Southern Promotion, you know, who worked with, you know, the late, great Alex Cooley and uh, Peter Conlin and Wallace Barr. And um, so they hired me and Charlie personally mentored me and taught me the business. And I have to really credit him, you know, because... You know, back then, you couldn't go to college, you know, for a music business career. I went for theater. You know, I was a theater arts. And he really, he took a chance on me. He must have seen something in me. I don't I don't know, or just needed someone at the time. But he really invested me and taught me a lot. And I, I loved it and really came to become family, you know, with he and the whole troupe <laughs> over there. And that was my first introduction um, to the music industry, like in a national position, because we, you know, not only did we book really big shows in Atlanta, 
But, um, you know, we had some other venues in the southeast, but we, you know, we'd pick up, you know, a, a leg of the Bon Jovi tour or back then, you know, Janet Jackson and Usher when no one knew who Usher was opening, right? New Kids on the Block. I mean, again, this is an era that's a long time ago, but it's big business. And um, I just learned a lot, you know. And when I left him after several years because I had gotten married and wanted to, <laughs> you know, I was pregnant. We were pregnant, and we wanted I wanted to have a home business. So I, I, I left him. Actually, I left him, and he said, you're not leaving. So, you know, like that, that birthed. My, um, <laughs> I birthed a baby and a company, evidently. <laughs> but that, that, you know, that's how I got here. And um, the only other small stint other than, you know, Club Rio, booking talent, doing publicity and promotions, I remember covering a maternity leave for a girlfriend of mine at the Center Stage Theater once for a six-month period of time. And because that was the live music setting, it was very, very comfortable. And I really enjoyed doing that. And um, But, you know, you, you learn from everywhere you go, right? You know, it just helps you with the whole picture of it. Yeah. So, so that's how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had an incredible journey, incredible, incredible wow. journey. So this is super awesome. And all my, all my <laughs> previous employers, I mean, I literally, they are... We consider them family, you know, and, and friends. And I've been, I have been very, very fortunate that I've never had to really hit the street with a resume or it just really went from, you know, all these things. And I mean, what a, I mean, who, you know, you pray for that, right? Yeah. And, and I have always remembered that and really, you know, look forward and, you know, and really lean in and helping these young people. Because <clears throat> in the 19 years, even just all the interns who have come through our path, you know, the ones that you go, wow, you know, I, I actively, you know, try to help them. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really important. Right. And I think yeah. that, oh, sorry. I was well, just I was going to say was, you know, <laughs> this industry, as you know, yeah. is word of mouth. Yeah. You know, I mean, someone's Referral and recommendation means more than anything, yeah. you know, and so that, that's all I was going to say. Yeah, no, and I was just going to add on. I think that that, um, if you don't mind me saying so, I think the fact that you have invested in others has definitely attributed to your success oh, because I've always you. said, you know, when you invest in others, you'll always see a return on that investment. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, and plus I'm a mom and I have this, you know, sort of philosophy you know, that if an eighth of the people that she reaches out to, that she might ask to either mentor or help her with something or just spend a little time with her, if an eighth of the people said yes, of the people that, you know, from the base <laughs> that I've helped over the years, like I just, I need the karma department to kind of turn around on that one. And they, and it has, so. Yeah. <laughs> So let's shift gears a little yeah. bit because, of course, as you know, this interview is a part of our women music series. Yeah. I'd love <clears throat> to kind of talk about your advice for women yeah. that are looking to pursue a career in music yeah. because you are clearly a very powerful female executive. So well, what's thank your advice you. there? Well, you know, I'm going to answer that without a little piece of exposition. In my journey, you know, I can honestly say I never thought being a female was either, you know, a deterrent or an asset in the equation for a position that I was now about to step into. 
And I think over the years, whenever there was anything that might have been a little off color, whether it's a statement or, you know, you, you deflect it, right? You know, if you just set the boundaries and demand respect, you get it, right? So, okay, now take that and let's talk about what advice would I give. You know, I would say, and maybe people would fight me on this, but don't lead with your gender. Get in the game as a human being. I mean, <laughs> be the best at what you can do and who you can be and what you can bring to that work equation, right? Like, I, I, I really think, you know, gender aside, just roll up your sleeves, do the work, don't even think about it. You know, um, just whatever you are passionate about, you know, it it really is on you to learn absolutely everything you can about that track and everything around it and more. And your only job going into a work environment, you know, is with the what can I do for you, you know, mentality and not what's in this for me, right. you know, and... I would say to the young ladies that, you know, (laughs) there is not a weaker or a stronger, you know, and go in knowing that and just be, um, if you feel prepared and if you feel you've got, you know, something to give and if you, and if you're in a situation where you're still, you're just starting out, right? You have to have, if you have an attitude of, you are willing to work and willing to learn, that goes further with me, you know, again, because when you're young, you know, how do you get the experience? You know, you've got to start somewhere, right? But if you come in with this mentality of like, look, I, I am so open and willing to learn, you know, that to me over someone with a cocky attitude who thinks they know it all and maybe went to a better school or maybe, you know, this, that, and the other, I'll take the you know, the person with that better attitude first. But, you know, again, support each other. You know, while I say, you know, be gender indifferent or whatever, you know, like, it's not to say don't support your fellow female coworkers. You know, we've noticed a lot of that, you know, over the years of how we're our own worst enemy. Um, Be kind and, and be kind to everybody. To everybody. And that's really, I know that sounds very basic. I feel like I should have a more intelligent answer for you. But it just seems that's how I've led my life. I treat absolutely everyone that comes in my, whether it's the janitor in the building, (laughs) you know, or or the CEO. And, you know... Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> and that so resonates for me. Oh. I, I definitely agree with that. I think to your last point, I think it's very important that you not have that level of respect just for a CEO. You know what right. I mean? Because people just think, oh, because of the status, yep. I'm always going to be available and treat them with respect. But you never know. Like, you never janitor know. is helpful. The receptionist oh is helpful. Oh, my gosh. So you no have kidding. to have that same level of respect. You do. Yeah. When we do our, I had mentioned the Grammy <laughs> University members and, and just the, the real quick snapshot. Um, so if you're in college um, in a, a music you know, uh, discipline, whether it's on the creative side or the business side or technology, or if you're at one of these audio engineering schools, if you're in school full time, you can become a Grammy U member is what we call them. Um, and we 
produce some events just for them, right? And I have literally been at our Grammy U events and can say to these young people, look around. You might be rolling your eyes at that kid sitting next to you. They might be running a label or do or right. being that next big artist in five years that you're going to try to get on the phone. Yeah. And, you know, no one is above, you know, meeting, linking arms and everybody's everybody's got certain gifts, you know, and what is it? You know, we all hold a key, you know, and everyone can just, you know, your network is everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know? so, uh, that's my stance. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so now time for a fun question. So fill in the blank. Music made me blank. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is what's really scary. My first word, if you want the knee-jerk reaction, I want to say drunk. Now, I say that. Because music intoxicates me in the best of ways, you know, and I don't mean to be like drunk, (laughs) look at her stumbling. I I just really, you know what, it, it makes us feel, right? You know, it makes us feel, it makes us cry, it makes us live, it helps us breathe, it helps us dream. It's all of those things. But, you know... And again, I, I really want to preface this when I say the word intoxicate, you know, <laughs> I, I mean it in not an alcohol level, you yeah. know, I mean it in that what else does that, you know, what, and I, I, I promise you, you know, as a young person, when I was a younger person, music is what I woke up for every day, you know, whether to sing it, whether to listen to it, you know, of course, to listen to it for mothers, not just myself, you know. But it really, you know, without it, I felt, you know, what would, you know, life be like? You know, it's so taken for granted. But, yeah, it just, <laughs> it, it pushes all those delicious buttons for me, yeah. you know. Cool. Yeah. Oh, Don't trust answer. someone that doesn't like music. <laughs> Have you ever heard someone say they don't? This is the first time I've heard that. Like, who doesn't? Yeah. Like yeah. I heard someone once say, yeah, I'm not really into music. And I was like, oh, <gasps> stay away. <laughs> this can't be a good person. I just, I've never met anyone who can honestly say they didn't love music. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So final question. What final advice do you have for aspiring music professionals? Yeah. So if you really feel (laughs) that this is what you, this is what really gets you up and, you know, this is what you dream about and you really feel as though this is the fit, right? You know, I would say you can't learn enough. You can't be in enough places. You know, ask yourself why you want to be in this business. And and I'm going to tell you that because I've met plenty that want to be in this business because they think, oh, it's so sexy and I get to meet the stars and, you know, oh, this is a cake job. Be very clear. You will work harder than most industries. And, you know, while there are great, you know, benefits and rewards when you get to certain levels to be able to be in the creator space, you know, really ask yourself, why do you want to do this? you know, and just be prepared to work really hard and be open and um, just get as, you know, you can never get enough professional development and network like crazy. And just, you know, all you have is your respect in this industry. 
So uh, did I say respect? Your reputation. All you have is your reputation. So be very careful, you know, handle it with care. And it's not that big of an industry. We all kind of know each other. And I don't, and I don't mean just here in Atlanta. Um, So people talk, you know, so, you know, hold that reputation, you know, with gentle, caring and loving hands, because it'll serve you well, you know, and when someone does recommend you, it will mean a lot, you know, and just uh, be ready and enjoy all of it. You know, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Great advice. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. I sure appreciate it. Anytime I can see you is a good day. Same so, here. Yeah, thank you. And to our listeners, that is a wrap. Please don't forget to subscribe to Music Made Me, rate us on iTunes, and follow us on social media at TuneCore. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. 